This is The Insecurity Project. If you are looking to solve the insecurity problem in your life, rather than just manage it, mask it or medicate it, you have come to the right place. This is the home of high-quality content and conversations about how to overcome insecurity. If you can do that, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for your friends and family, it's good for the world, so it's kind of important. There's some work to do here, but let's go do this work together. Now on to today's show. Hey folks, you're on the Insecurity Project. I'm here again with my great friend, Greg. Today we're talking about mythology and the importance of understanding the mythological world in dealing with your insecurity. So this is a subject that I'm learning about a lot lately. It's a new world to me. I mean, I'm, you hear me talk about Joseph's, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey a fair bit. Uh, that's the closest I've come to an understanding of mythology. I'm trying to read uh, Stephen Fry's book Mythos at the moment, but I'm lost. Um, so uh, the great advantage of talking to you is that you just you're across this stuff in a way that I will take me a long time to be. So I think the advantage of being able to pick your brain on this subject is really useful. And I love the way that you talk about this stuff. It just every time I hear you talk about mythology. It draws me into a more beautiful experience of life and uh, I feel energised and, and enthused about the journey of life. So, uh, so tell, us, tell us about this world of mythology and the importance of having a mythology to navigate cool. life. So I think my big introduction to mythology came through a, a lovely guy called Alexander Shire. Um, anthropologist, philosopher, Jungian uh, practitioner, theologian, great, great guy. And I met him and at the point at which I met him, I was, I was really in very what you would call a dualistic kind of tension. Things were right, they were wrong, they were black, they were white, they, you know, things were in, they were out. The, the categories were dualistic, they were binary. One was here, one was here. Um, and the honesty about duality was that you could re- you can really divide your world up those you know like you're right you're wrong mm. you're a good person you're a bad person that they're simple categories but they also have a certain ring of truth to them yep. right and so i had approached my spirituality and my worldview um coming out of scientifically kind of orientated society where you reduce things down to a knowable truth fact. Um, my my world was like that. My spirituality was like that. There were good people, bad people. There were people who were of God, others who weren't of God. That was the whole schema. Um, but what? But that left me narrow. You know that I'd, I found myself in an in an ever narrowing kind of aperture. My life was like it was a hard place to live. You know, um, it was a, it was it was primarily a judgmental place to live. And then when I met Alexander, he sort of said, well, there's a truth to that, but that's, but literality is the first step on the ladder of truth. And it's probably the most unhelpful step as well. Sure. And I, and I had no idea of what he really meant. And that kind of ended into a journey into understanding myth where, where, where a myth isn't necessarily a literal truth but it's what you might call hyper-truth. And we're kind of evoking the idea that humans are sense-making creatures. We have, 
you know, thousands and thousands of years of oral tradition where the central truths that would hold a community or a tribe or a, or a culture together were passed on orally, passed on around, around fires, around rich, ritualistic dances, uh, in sacred, you know, rites of passage, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and in those oral traditions, um, things would be enacted that pointed to a larger truth. Uh, there would be, you know, there would be the invoking of kind of a metaphor. This is not, you know, th- this is this, only not literally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, the, you know, a really simple example of that would be to say, Angie and I, my wife and I, literal fact, we were married on the 24th of September, 1988. Yep. That's cold hard literal fact it, it but it's also boring and uninteresting and, and and whilst it's true it actually isn't it doesn't uh it doesn't generate much mm. if you were to, if you were to evoke a metaphor and say when Angie and i were married it was strawberries and chocolate or it was uh you know whatever your you know whatever your thing is you know it was bacon and eggs or it was it was two things you know you, you're now evoking a metaphor where you're saying um, two things that really complement each other have come together and those two things really go well together and they should be together on the same plate. That's the metaphor, right? Um, now, that's, that's a much more interesting construct than we were married on the 24th of September 1988. It's less true because I'm not a piece of bacon and she's not an egg or I'm not chocolate and she's mm. not a strawberry. So it's less literally true but it holds greater truth about the nature of our relationship. So then if you take a myth and you say myth is now even a more escalated version of the metaphor, the myth is multiple metaphors or multiple bits of typology or multiple bits of kind of very convoluted uh, narrative into a cohesive story. And in that you have everything from dragons to witches to warlocks to shaman to serpents to um you know if you go back into archaic mythology you have the sacred bull or you have pigs or you have all sorts of animals in the mix the, mm. you know the tree of life you know you, you know you're you don't go out to look for the tree of life because it actually doesn't exist but it's a metaphor of this grounding fountain of life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And the advantage of having that, those myth, mythological stories to buy into is it helps you navigate the challenges of life and draws you into a bigger experience of life. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a sense-making m- paradigm. Yeah, 100%. So it's a sense-making paradigm that is laden with truth after truth after truth after truth after truth after truth after truth, mm. albeit we're not, ac- we're, not, we're not accessing those truths through the, through the lens of, literality Mm. but we're saying this is true so like you know you you know hansel you know the brothers grim in their their narratives there's a lot of truth in that yeah um you know um and and so you can access that truth now what that helps you do is that um joseph campbell makes his point the world is actually the reality the literal truth of the world is actually quite horrific Mm. it's the world the universe is actually a dangerous place there's viruses, as we know, that want to, that that can kill you, mm. that are not sympathetic to human life. Mm. Um, you know, there's 
we, we are literally floating on a ball in a sea of darkness. Uh, you know, if you're a space man and you've gone out and you've looked back on the earth, you go, oh my gosh, this is, this little blue, blue pearl is just extraordinarily vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we have this fragile existence, um, which really can be quite terrifying, hmm. you know, and the literality of that uh, as a literal truth could just, you know, it could actually cripple you into inaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, because it'd be too terrifying to do anything. What's the point of doing anything? Yeah, so I, I try and firm up my world by, by only allowing things that I'm absolutely certain about mm. and my world gets scarier and scarier and scarier and scarier. You know, and narrower and narrower and narrower, mm. and more judgmental and harsher and colder and drier and more exclusive. And so, literality, far from liberating us, actually becomes this extremely claustrophobic experience. Mm. You know, whereas mythology says, "Yeah, there's a dragon out there, and you need to go and slay it." Mm. Or you know, Harry Potter, there's there is the most powerful dark lord known to our generation and he wants to kill you. Mm. You know, he's already killed your parents and he's coming after you mm. and he will kill your mentor and he has conspired a whole realm of dark lords and, and witches to uh, dark wizards to, to, to bring you down. Mm. Welcome to the Harry Potter novels, you know, mm. um, and, and Harry has to go on the quest of, you know, engaging that world, you know, um, and, and in that there's all these truths about courage and friendship with, you know, and it's the same in the Tolkien. It's the same yeah. in C.S. Lewis. It's the same, in, it's the same, in, Dost it's the same in Dostoevsky, yeah. you know, with crime and punishment. And, um, and so myth becomes a great way of, in many ways, subverting literality and saying literality is gross. It's terrible. Mm. But the mythic frame invites you on a, what, what Campbell would say is it invites you on the hero's journey, which you talk about at length. Well, I love this because I think, you know, in the modern world, there's a, a bit of a trajectory away from spirituality and mythology into rational thinking, into science, yeah. into reducing things uh, into literal parts. Mm. Um, but that is actually quite terrifying and it's a journey away from life and into insecurity because there's so much to be afraid of. So the value of realising the importance of spirituality and mythology within that is that it draws us back in, into the game again. Yeah, it does. It, it, it has that capacity and it, it, it is also wonderfully inclusive. So within mm. the mythological story, there's, there's things to be fearful of, but there's also mentors and mm. there's also... Uh, you know, like you think of Frodo and he runs into Aragorn. You know, there's a champion who's going to champion you. Mm. He, he can't throw the ring into the fire for you, mm. but he can, kill a, he can kill a horde of orcs for you mm. and he, he's got your back. And then and there's Samwise Gamgee. There's, there is a friend that will never leave you no matter what. And by the way, there's a golem who mm. wants to exploit you and is waiting for that moment where he can steal back his precious, you know, like there's all of that within the mythological frame. And that, and, and that is to say that in our life, that is all true. Mm. There is great friends. Yeah. That will never leave you. 
there are utilitarian friends that will screw you over. Um, there, there are elder people that will have your back and, and will give you wisdom beyond your years, you know. Um, and then there's, then there's people that will just, you know, stab you in the back at a glance, you know, and smile at you while they do it. So mm. the, the, all the horror and all the splendour exists in the mythic frame and, it, and it, not necessarily in the literality. You know what I mean? The little, the, the the literal fact, you go, that's verifiable. I can build a plane on that. I don't want a mythic frame to build a plane. Mm. These wings do this, this. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. They flap really well. At 40,000 feet, mm. I don't want to just, I, I don't want a mythic frame. Mm. At 40,000 feet, I want, I want stress testing. I want solid engineering. I want this plane architected to within a, like a fraction of mm. its tensile strength, you know? Um, so we can build planes and hospitals and modern medicine and a lot of stuff on scientific literality. What you can't build is you can't build a compelling life on that, mm. you know, because uh, it doesn't have any nuance. It doesn't have any, mm. um, it, it doesn't have the shape shifting that puts absolutely fantastic in the midst of truly terrible and tragic and truly mm. tragic and difficult in the midst of triumph and success, that whole shape-shifting nature of, nature of life where all these things are as one, you know, and the quest is to engage it. Mm. So that, that, that's, that's probably... Yeah, amazing. Um, you know, so to get up in the morning... Like we we find ourselves in a story, whether we're aware of it or not, and I think often those stories are unexamined and and small and and literal. But the aim is to keep telling better stories and bigger stories and more beautiful stories and find ourselves um, in compelling stories. Um, you know, for people who've never even thought about mythology or this aspect of storytelling, where does someone begin? Well, I think I think. Uh... I think just by having an allowing mind, you know, it's, it's like a um, Buddhist call it a beginning mind or a, um, to allow ourselves to go back to a really simple place where, you know, like most of us were, were, were raised on Disney or raised on um, uh, Pixar or, you know, like stories, you know, grandparents read stories to us or we read stories before we went to bed or we watched videos or movies or we went to movies and, and uh, you know, you say going to a movie is a really important part of your mm. practice, right? Yeah, definitely. That's my cat in the background for those <laughs> of you who... It's my 22-year-old cat complaining that it wants to come in. Um, but, yeah, so so allowing stories to come back into our life in an enriching way is a really, is a really good place to start. Mm. Um, and probably another thing that I think when I started to engage a, a more mythological approach to life is that um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much less judgmental space. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, like you, you don't sit down to the genre of mythology doesn't allow you to sit down and go, is that, is Gandalf really a white wizard or a gray wizard? Like, what are you going on about? Just get with the spirit of it. He went through a transformational experience. Mm. 
<laughs> is Harry a true wizard or not? Or are there, you know, does Diagon Alley actually exist? Is there, you know, platform nine and a half or nine and three quarters? Like asking the literal questions um, or demanding that level of scrutiny or certainty will just kill this space. Yeah. But um, so even even your even um, even the approach of someone you might think I I don't like this person you know they're not maybe they're not an enemy but they're someone in your life that's just horrific right difficult mm. you know you could you could say um, you could say what is the story that I could tell myself about about this that would um, so there, I'll give you an example. If, if you want me to. Yeah, I'll be great. So there's a lovely mythic story about, uh, I think it's an Irish folklore, and Joseph Campbell tells this story, but basically it's about a king that has four sons and they ride off into the wood and they get so involved in the hunt that they lose track of time and it's night is starting to approach. They realise they won't get back to the castle in time. So they say, okay, we need to find some water and some sustenance and a place to sleep. So the oldest brother, and I can't remember what his name is, he says, you know, oh, you wait here, I will ride off and, and, and see what I can do. So he rides off and he, he comes to this well and there's this, there's this wizened hag at the well and she's just gross, right? And he says, are you the well keeper? And she says, I am. And he goes, can I, can I draw from your well? And she says, if you would, if you would grant me a kiss, you mm. can drink from the well. And he says, I will, you know, he, he's horrified. He goes, I will never, I will never kiss you. You know, that will never happen. And, and, and he rides off without the water yeah. and without the, the, uh, the experience of having to kiss the hag, right? And so the story goes through, you know, you can, you can make this story a day long if you want, but the story goes through the brothers who one by one ride off. All of them find the well. All of them find the hag. And yet none of them, uh, there's my cat. Um, and yet none of them will kiss the hag, mm. you know. Um, wow. Just a sec. <laughs> Here you go. This is Ezra, everyone, who's decided to join the podcast. Um, and so finally the youngest son says, you know, uh, I'll, I'll ride off. So he rides off. His old brothers are there. He rides off. And he comes across the he comes across the well and he comes across the hag and he says to her um, are you the keeper of the well and she says i am the keeper of the well and he says can i please draw from the well for my brothers and i and uh, we've been trapped in the woods blah, blah 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 and she says you absolutely can draw from the well but you first must grant me a kiss and the younger brother goes oh, kiss thee not only will i kiss thee but i'll embrace thee and with that he jumps off his horse he rushes down grabs the old woman kisses her gives her the biggest hug and with that as he's in the very act of doing that she's transformed into the most beautiful maiden that mm -hmm. he's ever seen right and so you listen to that story and you go and you point mm. and and there was a period of time where um i listened to that story and, and then i thought about my life and there were some hags I needed to kiss. Mm. Um, and and the, these were really difficult people that I was working with. Um, these were situations that were unpleasant. I needed something 
I couldn't get it unless I went through unless I went through through the, this situation. Mm. And this idea of kissing the hag was like uh, instead of saying I will never kiss yeah, you, yeah. you have no and the, part and of the me. And the literal, the literal, yeah, you are repulsive. I hate you. There's nothing we have in common. Yeah, so if there's I'm no in, way, yeah, if I'm violate in the, my principles. Yes, if I'm in the literal, they don't yeah. belong, right? Yeah, yeah. it's out. Mm. But if I get into the mythic, it sort of says. How about you don't take that oppositional judgmental approach? Mm. How about you jump off your high horse, mm. get down and go and plant a big kiss and embrace this situation for all it's worth? Mm. And in the midst of doing that, the, the promise is that the thing that you hate will actually turn into a princess. Mm. But, and more importantly, your worthiness to be the future king you know, so all the brothers went through the test, but it was only the youngest brother that proved his worthiness to be the future king because mm. he was the only one that would embrace the ugly situation and embrace and kiss the ugly situation to the point where it transformed itself into a beautiful mm. outcome. Yeah. Right? Now, you could, you could like pick any crappy situation in your life and go, hey, are you willing to kiss the hag? Yeah. That, that's the power of mythology. Mm. and having those narratives having access to them you know means you get to experience this hyper truth in the situation that you would never see yeah yeah and draws you into opportunity and yeah. growth and change and um yeah it's transcended the literal space yeah where it's all oppositional and it's taken it into a place where it's actually appealing to the best part of you mm. you know uh, deeper truths in you, deeper realities about your capability to transform a situation. It's appealing to something inside of you at a really fundamental level. It resonates with us because it's it's narrative, mm. and we're just a, we're we're a sense making narrative creature. So it, it goes yes. Whereas the cold fact of you need to do this, 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 and this in this situation that wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah, sure. But, but yeah. the 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 analogy, the story embellishes it. It, it ennobles the whole thing. And and this is the valley of the hero's journey, the great work of Joseph Campbell, because it gives you this access point into a whole bunch of challenge, opportunity, yeah. difficulty, trouble, to help you make sense of the, yeah, the quest that you're on. Yeah, I think that Campbell's. I think that Campbell's contribution transcends even that because. What Campbell did is he travelled the world looking at everything from Australian Aboriginalism to New Guinean tribes to Irish folklore to Navajo Indians to Arctic. Like he just literally, and he scanned it from, you know, primitive mythology to Western mythology to Eastern mythology to creation mythology. He just, he did such a massive body of work. And so when he comes up with this thesis around the hero's journey, He's basically saying what is sort of what is central to humans mm. is the need to tell stories that are patent. His his hero's journey was within the body of of within any kind of mythological frame, there'll be this kind of structure, mm. right? Um, now what that what that does is it says you can be as tribal as you want, but I mean, and and your tribes can disagree widely, you know. Um, you know, Christianity can be here, Buddhism can be there, Hinduism can be there, monotheism here, atheism, like it can be all over the place, right? But what Campbell's contribution was to say, all of us 
are telling stories and there's there is this underlying pattern in all our stories and that belies our human connection that mm. speaks more to our human connection yeah, well, than our independent tribalism well so not only does a mythology connect us with a higher form of ourselves, it connects us with each other as 100%. well it's it's mm. it's generic to the human species mm. it's inherent in us yeah. to, to want to do that um now i've seen joseph campbell's three weighty books on your shelf four, yeah. four right yeah. and um and grateful you're reading them uh for the average punter they're not highly accessible or they're no, a difficult read no everything that campbell writes is difficult yeah but you can there's lots of people you can read about okay lots of people have wrote, written about campbell campbell's thesis about the basic structure, you know, the hero's journey of a fundamental structure of mythology or mythological stories uh, was so influential, mm. uh, so groundbreaking. It's been contested. A lot of people say, I, I don't think that that's true. Yeah, right. But, um, but it was a seminal piece of work back in the 60s or 70s whenever it was written. And there's probably that probably fits into his mythology as well. Of course, people have, have come and said, no, no, that you can't do that. That's not right. That, that probably... There's a mythology for that too. Yeah, for sure. I think I don't think that he would have been perturbed by that mm. uh, at all. So, so what books um, would you suggest for people to? Who's done a good summary of Campbell? Or who's, well, I think you could just go on Google and you could just Google, you know, hero's journey, and you, and oh, just a simple, a simple hero's journey will come up with mm. the, the essential steps of what the hero's journey is, mm. and then just go and rent any movie. Yeah. You know, any story, any of the ones, you know, any C.S. Lewis, any Tolkien, mm. any uh, J.K. Rowling's, any, just go and get a movie and you'll find, yep. you know, the hero gets, you know, there's the invitation, there's the crossing the threshold, there's the confronting, the, there's the divine support, there's the the killing of the dragon, there's the, yep. you know, there's the lapse there's or the whatever. There's the abyss and the cave. There's the abyss, the cave, yeah, yeah. They're all kind of there, you know. And and we act, we don't access them by going you know okay where am I today yeah but we we kind of allow we just we allow them to, hmm. to to inform our journey yeah beautiful uh, I think that's that's super useful and another access point for people into a, a more more generous more beautiful spirituality more and generous and beautiful experience of being a human being so thank you again for your wisdom. And for uh, yeah, giving some real value today. Right. So we'll leave it there. Again, if you're if this subject is really interesting to you, um, search Greg at gregbellingham.com. Uh, reach out to me, and happy to ask any future questions to Greg on the next episode that we record. So we'll leave it there. Ezra, the cat says goodbye, and we'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. The aim of the game is to show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity so that you can be at your best where it matters most. Now, if you're ready to begin the work of becoming unhindered in your life, The Unhindered Short Course is an eight-part video series designed to help you do exactly that. And at only $99 for a limited time, it's an offer too good to refuse. For more information, go to theinsecurityproject.com.